0: Want to be a voice actor and book more gigs? Then watch the free intro to voice acting class at voiceoverchampions.com. Change into voiceover champions to save the voiceover world. Hey there, hi there, ho there, listeners. This is Joshua Seth. I am your host and you are listening to Voiceover. Champions, a show about voice actors for fans of voice actors or people who want to become voice actors. As someone who's just coming back into voice acting after a bit of a break, I could tell you there's lots to learn from the guests on these episodes about the business of voice acting and the -the behind-the-scenes stories that they share. And today's guest is no exception. I'll be interviewing Dawn M. Bennett, But before we get into that, I just want to make a last-minute Comic-Con appearance announcement. I will be at Holiday Matsuri this Saturday, December 18th, in Orlando, Florida. I haven't been a guest there in seven years. I'm really excited about coming back. This came together pretty last-minute, though, because I will only be there on the last day of the con. So if you want to see me, just know that I'll only be there on Sunday. And that'll be my last con appearance of the year, making it an even 20 conventions that I've done in the past few months, which is just blowing my mind, actually, because at the beginning of 2022, I had no idea that I'd be doing any of this. No idea I'd be appearing at Comic-Cons, no idea I'd be back voicing anime again, and no idea I'd be hosting this podcast. So you never know where a year can take you. I can't say that we've got over 30 Comic-Cons booked for me to appear at in 2023, though, so I'm really excited about that. You can see some of those cons announced already in the show notes. The link to my schedule is there. Today's guest is Dawn M. Bennett. She's a Los Angeles-based voice actor and professionally trained singer, originally from Dallas, Texas. Some of the roles you may know her from are... Kale from Dragon Ball Super, Frosh from Fairy Tail, Setsuna Tokaje from My Hero Academia, Shes from Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, and The Herald from Fortnite. She also has music directed for dubbing houses such as Crunchyroll and Sound Cadence Studios. We talk about that and a whole lot more on today's episode. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Dawn M. Bennett. Here's the main reason I wanted you on this podcast. The M in Don M. Bennett. Does it stand for massively talented, monster energy drink, or musically inclined?
1: Ah, I mean, I guess I'll go for the musically inclined part.
0: Yeah. I have found that a lot of voice actors have a background in singing, and you seem to go beyond that as you direct music as well. Is that yeah. correct?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I've directed for um, uh, Funimation in the past, which is now Crunchyroll. I -hmm. directed for Sound Cadence. So,
0: yeah, a little bit here and there. Is that how you got into voice acting? It was through music direction and and music?
1: Uh, So I got into voice acting through, uh, I went to Berklee College of Music. Ooh, fancy. And and, um, they had a video. Even non-musicians know that. Uh (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, they had a video game music club there, which I immediately joined. And, uh, we had a thing called a game jam where we got to partner with, uh, engineering students in Atlanta to make video games in like 24 to 48 hours. And I, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Right. And they're all bad. They're all really bad, but it's fun, you know?
0: Well, you know, I've read studies on creativity and how mm-hmm. iteration is really crucial, that it's better to make a lot of product quickly and albeit poorly overall mm-hmm. than it is to work for a very long time and not put a product out and just keep working on the one thing. The The oft-cited case study is that a classroom was divided into of, of pottery students, I believe it was. And half the pottery students were told to make as many pieces as possible and that they would be, you know, graded on volume. And the other half of the class was told you'd be graded on quality. And the quality people, they just made one piece like the whole semester. And the rest, though, the ones that iterated a lot of product, they beat out the other students in terms of quality as well because their quality kept improving because they kept making products. So there is something to that. There is something to just putting a lot of content out. As this podcast is proof, honestly, I didn't know what I was doing a a dozen episodes ago. I just began. Let's just begin. Yeah, I think that's really great advice for aspiring voice actors or anyone in the arts, actually, is just start. Just put one foot in front of the other. Who cares if you fall down? Get up and do it again. You'll get better. Absolutely. So anyway, how did that relate to voice acting for you? That was the, that was the reason we were talking about it.
1: Um, so uh, I joined this game jam and I say, hey, I don't know anything about audio yet because I was a freshman. What can I do? And they're like, well, you could try voiceover. And so me and um, my roommate, Victoria Vitti, uh, we recorded. we recorded in our Mac, like the built-in microphone. We didn't even have microphones yet. Uh, we recorded in GarageBand and it was male hillbillies and we pitched it down and it sounded so bad, but it was so fun. And in our little game jam contest, we placed third. So you, the president of our video game club uh, was telling me, he was like, hey, like y'all were really good at this. You should keep doing it.
0: So you had no tomorrow. acting background, no theater training, hmm. nothing. But you had but you had music yeah. training. You knew how to use your voice.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and so after that, I I would volunteer for, because um, we had so many ADR engineers at uh, Berkeley. And so I would just go around the school, like putting on all the bulletin boards. Hey, you need voiceover for your ADR project? Contact nice. me, blah, blah, blah. All for free. Sometimes they'd buy me coffee or something, but I just thought it was so much fun. And so I ended up like being in the studios from like midnight to two in the morning, because that was the time we had to book for the studios. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Look, I'm so glad that we're starting out this way because I do a lot of Comic-Con appearances, which (laughs) is the other reason I started doing this podcast because I'm in front of people all all the time, every weekend practically. And in the Q&As, in the panel sessions, they're always asking how to get started. And I always say, look, you, you have a recording studio in your pocket. You presumably have some friends. Just start making stuff. You have a delivery system, a distribution system in terms of the internet and social media and YouTube and twitch and TikTok and just put stuff out and that's exactly what you were doing you were just making things putting them out who cares that you got a cup of coffee you got experience and you did it over and over again until what then what happened that that sort of launched you into the professional career that you have today
1: so by chance uh i was going back to texas for thanksgiving because that's where i'm from and the dallas area that...
0: or yes yeah okay
1: and and during that time uh there was a con being held specifically for Todd Haberkorn called Haberkorn. Mm-hmm. And they had a voice acting contest. And if you won, you would get an audition at Funimation. So I go to this thing. I don't win. I place in like the finals. Okay. But fast forward six months after that, I get a message from the director of Fairy Fairytale, uh, Tyler Walker, who was one of the judges. And he realized that I was from Texas. And he goes, hey, when are you coming back from Boston? I said, I come back on Sunday. Why? Mm-hmm. And he goes, can you come audition for Fairy Tale on the following Monday? Nice. And so that, that's how everything kind of took off from there.
0: Serendipity. Just <laughs> everything aligned. The luck mm-hmm. being preparation and opportunity meeting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and, then, and then you just kept working for that studio from then on, it seems.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I worked for them. Um, I was there from 2014 to uh November 2019 and then I moved here and then I enjoyed LA for like three months
0: I was gonna say so that means you moved (laughs) to LA like right before the pandemic right before everything shut down and you couldn't go anywhere or meet anyone or doing anything exactly (laughs) that's okay and you're still there so that must be a long-term lease uh yep still (laughs) you're you're committed (laughs) at this point yeah. Absolutely. But how does how does it compare the the voice acting world in Los Angeles to that in Texas? I honestly don't know much about the Texas side of things.
1: So with Texas, um like in my experience there wasn't there's all all the voice acting is centralized to one place. Like you mm-hmm. go to Crunchyroll. Uh there were other places as well like um Borderlands was recorded at Gearbox in Frisco. Um like Dragon Ball at Okeratron also in Dallas, but Yeah, it was all pretty much centralized to Dallas. And it was a lot of
0: opportunities then like you're either in with that group or you're not working.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Where as when I came out here and um, a lovely friend of mine, Brad Venable, um, he recommended me to Atlas Talent. And as soon as I got in with them, I was getting auditions for all sorts of opportunities
0: in all sorts of places around L.A. I've heard great things about that agency. They didn't exist when I was out there. I was with CESD. mm -hmm they were mm. ced at the time uh, but in the meantime these new agencies have popped up and the one that keeps uh, coming on my radar is that one is atlas do you love it there i well, love it it was of course you're gonna idea. say that in a public podcast <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> no i kid you not i kid you not
1: when i interviewed with them because i had interviewed with a few agencies but when i mm-hmm. interviewed with them um they said hey like you're awesome, we'd love to have you, but we understand if you're still shopping around. And I was like, no, actually, this is my dream agency. I will sign with you right now. And they're <laughs> like, perfect. So perfect. okay. <laughs> and,
0: and at that point, you'd already been voicing anime and you'd already presumably d- been in, in other areas of voiceover as well. Is that true? Like, where, where else do you work other than what people would know you for?
1: Uh, so I guess, like, like, people mainly know me for anime. Um, but I do also, I, I'm starting to get up there in video games as well. And like a little bit of pre-lay animation, which I'd love to get more into, um, uh, mm-hmm. because that's so much fun, especially getting to work with the creators of the show directly. Sure. Yeah. Um, sure.
0: but yeah, those are like
1: the three avenues that
0: I work in. So not Dubbing, commercial, anime, not, uh, narration, mm-hmm. e-learning, nothing else, just mostly you know, anime.
1: I, I did like a, a few things for uh commercial. Like I, I had a... <laughs> I had a DFW airport radio spot gig for like a really long time when I was in Dallas, but then as soon as I moved, like that kind of went away. Um, But no, no, not as much. I feel like commercial
0: is hard. I just, I don't know that it's hard. It's just different. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously after all these years, what everyone remembers me for in the voiceover space is anime and and Mm -hmm. the shows that I mostly voiced the leads on, but. I did hundreds of commercials and I literally did thousands of promos and I made most of my income as a voice actor as a promo guy. It, it it just requires a different approach when you're auditioning a different mindset. If you're doing comedy it's different than drama and even if you're doing comedy there are subsets within that like it could be very broad or it could be very dry for instance. Mm. And that that's the same with commercial reads versus Anime reads versus you know, different types of avenues that you can pursue as a voice actor. Everybody, it seems, wants to get into anime now because it's so high profile and mm. there's a community behind it with the conventions and everything. But back when I began, there was no glory in that. It was a grind, it was just a lot of work. But of course, that was before mm. social media and the ability to really find your tribe and find people that would. Mm be into that work that you are doing. That whole game has changed. Now, honestly, in the time that I went away until now when I'm just beginning to make overtures toward coming back, the, the popular culture has exploded around this content, these video games and, and these TV shows that you're on and that you're currently doing. And that just wasn't the case. It was a niche product back 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm.
1: No, absolutely. Like it's it's crazy to see how much how much it's blown up since then. And like, because like when I was a kid, um, like watching anime, not a lot of people did. They thought like, oh, you're kind of that's what weird, I'm saying. Or, you're the, you're
0: the odd man out. You're the weirdo, right? That you're watching. Yeah. That and now you go into any mall store, and there are the characters on the t-shirts and the backpacks and the shoes.
1: Gosh, like. You remember when Hot Topic was like super like dark and and depressing inside? And now it's like, boom, anime. Here's all these anime products in the windows. I'm like,
0: whoa. Yeah. This is very very different. different. So you're part of something big there. Don M. (laughs) You never told me what the M means. What is it? What is he? You're like, I'm going to go with musically inclined. But what is it real? And why is it uh, Oh, there's a story.
1: Uh, So it stands for Michelle. It's my middle name, um, my middle initial, because... And I used to think this is really neat. Uh, there was another Don Bennett who voice acts, but she does ah. one thing.
0: Uh-huh. She does
1: one thing. And it's for this web cartoon called Neurotically Yours, otherwise known as Foamy the Squirrel. Okay. And Very that, that, that's that been around since I was like in fourth grade, I think. I, I always get the dates wrong. But she is known for this like. Character who kind of dresses a little bit provocatively, and it's it's you know not uh, not safe for kids. Cartoon. You didn't want to get mixed
0: up with that, yeah.
1: Also no, and I, yeah, exactly. And I like, had, that's why are, I changed my name.
0: So another actor had my my real name. Wait, Joshua, that's not your real name. No. Oh, it's Jark Blarglingstingian, and it's really <laughs> hard to pronounce and even spell.
1: It all comes out. <laughs> no. Um, no, no. Um, yeah. So like I I changed my I put in my middle initial. It still hasn't helped. People will still message me being like, Oh my
0: gosh, I loved you as this really hot character in the other one. Have the two of you met or spoken? No. No, Uh, and I didn't That's what I should have done. I should have gotten well you know what? I've got her waiting (laughs) on the other line right now. Are you ready? She's coming. No. (laughs) I should.
1: Oh my God. That would be that would be amazing. Because I really want to be like. Hey, can you can you Surprise please disaster. like put out a message? It's not that, me
0: <laughs> that you're different people. Yes,
1: we're different people.
0: Well, um, you, you did what you had to do. I'll tell you what, just to just so everybody knows which Don Bennett we're actually talking to. Can you run through some of your most popular characters? Who are, awesome. who are you known for playing?
1: Cool. I'm Don M. Bennett, and I'm known as Kale in Dragon Ball Super, uh, Shez in Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. Um, Elm from Ruby, uh, she's in the Aesops. Um, um, Pop from the TikTok cartoon Chicken Nuggets.
0: Uh, oh gosh, I'm, you ever blank on those? I don't know, but I was watching your animation reel in preparation for this interview, and I love that Pop voice. Could we just do, could we do the whole rest of the interview with you in the Pop voice?
1: Uh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do that, I guess.
0: <laughs> that would be
1: great. What's he got for me?
0: <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about geopolitics and uh, wealth inequality. How about that?
1: Okay, so I can't remember this That's what my mom always says.
0: Honestly, I love that voice. I hope you have, get more opportunities to use that.
1: That was uh, that was my character from Fairy Tale. As well, like like Frosch from Fairy Tale and Sody Pop from Chicken Nuggets sound. Sal- almost the same it's just Frosh is more innocent and Sody Pop's like this spunky little kid
0: yeah so it's funny <laughs> i when i first started i just i'm redoing my since we're speaking about commercials and i'm very open on this podcast about the fact that yeah i know what i'm doing as an actor and a voice actor i don't know what i'm doing in terms of the way the business has changed now because i have you know been out of it so i'm i'm sharing what i learn through these interviews and the podcast but I'm having my commercial demo refreshed tomorrow because the voices that I was capable of doing and, and producing in my 20s when I made my first one or in my 30s where all of the actual real commercial work on the demo came from was a lot more limited than the range that I now have just because I'm older and I lived live more and I've trained my voice. Getting back to the voice training, I started in musical theater. So I sang professionally, but I didn't actually have professional voice training until years, maybe even decades later. And then over time, it's expanded my lung capacity. It's expanded my range. It's changed where my voice is placed naturally without losing the higher registers and the things that I'm more known for. So I'm actually redoing that demo and I listened to your demos and I noticed that you had both an interactive demo, as well as an animation demo. What's the thinking behind breaking that apart?
1: So I had I had heard um, from multiple actors it's good to have an animation demo versus interactive demo just because video games are getting way more cinematic nowadays. Um, and they also, like, w- also with um, video games, they want to know that you can play realistic, grounded cinematic, but then also... able to yell and scream and do like all of that hard combat stuff uh whereas animation you know i think they want it more lively and a bit cartoony but it's funny you say that because i was debating on updating my animation demo as Hmm. well because i've noticed that with cartoons now too like cartoons are also kind of getting more cinematic and grounded and addressing well that's been happening for years
0: yeah Uh, so i have an animation demo that i made 30 years ago when I first went out to Hollywood, who the guy that engineered it is actually the guy that's doing my new one because I just like the full circle aspect of hiring the same engineer mm-hmm. out in Burbank. But I I have debated whether or not to even put that animation demo on my website because who really is hiring these yeah. kind of sounds now, you know, unless it's a legacy yeah. character from the time in which that was actually the norm. There were all kinds of voices I had on that original animation demo that, mm-hmm. oh, Mr. Snubbly, I always wanted to play some kind of nerdy Mr. Snebby. I never got an opportunity because in anime, as you know, the, the characterizations may be broadly interpreted, but they're grounded in real human sounds. And mm-hmm. animation that's pre or in other words, animation... That is animated after the fact, after the voices are laid down in advance, mm-hmm. hence prelay. That has also gone in the same direction where they might be larger than life characterizations, but they sound human. Mm-hmm.
1: You reminded me like um, when this show that I uh, worked on came out called Wonder Egg Priority. Um, Wonder Egg Priority, by the way, is a very dark dark anime like there's trigger warnings on it like we we told everyone hey if you're gonna watch this show please be in a good place to watch it because it deals with all sorts of um like triggering subjects and i remember reading some of the comments on on the dub when it came out and people were like it's so nice to hear girls that just sound like girls and not like you know going so far out there as like it used to be an animation like very, you know, like like when you think
0: you're playing a girl like,
1: oh, it's gonna be here, right? No, no. Yeah, like... that's
0: mostly like in the 80s or before that or the kind of stuff that yeah. you heard as a kid that was actually mm-hmm. recorded back in the days of like Hanna-Barbera or mm-hmm. the studios that aren't around anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. look, there's room for everything. Anyone can get hired to do anything because there's a lot of work out there. But mm. what are the trends? Where are things going? It's, I think, what mm. we're both saying, which is more realistic, hence the need for acting training because it's more important to be able to deliver the lines in a believable and emotionally engaged way than it is to mm-hmm. do some silly boys.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And, like, uh, speaking of acting training, um, when I got into fun of crunchy Crunchyroll um, I realized very quickly that I needed to step my game up uh, because I didn't have I had musical training, but I had no acting training whatsoever. And I was like, oh, gosh, a lot of these people are are theater majors and like they have got all this experience. I need to step that up. So I immediately signed my butt up for so many
0: classes. Yeah, I, I just so think it's many. really important to continue training. I mean, I even took coaching. I give coaching online through Zoom since the pandemic, but <laughs> I also take coaching. I've taken coaching twice already this year just to find out new techniques and get another like an experienced year on what it is <laughs> that I'm doing. Now, speaking of which, who are your favorite voice actors? Who are the favorite voice actors either that you've worked with or that you'd like to work with?
1: So uh, I was very fortunate recently. Uh, I got to work with Fred Tatasciore recently um, he plays the Hulk in many animated, um, media and, uh, he was, he, he's one of my favorites and I had wanted to meet him for forever ever since like chase since school. And everyone here in LA was like, you haven't met Fred yet. He's so nice. And I'm like, no, I haven't. But I walk in one day, um, there, there I walked into like a Wallace session recently and there he was. And I was just like, that's Fred Tattashore. Why is Fred Tattashore here? It was it was great, and we met, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, it finally comes full circle," because he'd known other people had told him, "Like, dude, this girl Dawn wants to meet you," and he's he like, "I know, we haven't met Yeah, yet. yeah. and uh-huh.
0: and yet he stayed. <laughs>
1: I was like, "Oh, thank goodness, I'm not crazy," I That's promise cool. you. Yeah, and like 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 meeting you and meeting Bryce Papenbrook and like be- meeting JYB, uh, Johnny Youngbosch and like mm-hmm. just. I I have a lot of favorites because, like, I I grew up listening to y'all. So, you know, just, yeah.
0: (laughs) Thank you. But, yeah. It makes me feel very old.
1: Oh, gosh. It's happening to me. It is happening to me. I directed someone. No, no. I directed somebody. Uh, I I music directed someone. And they were like, hey, dawg, just just want to know that I've always looked up to your work. And I'm like, ah.
0: Don't now tell me that. Become the master. Yeah. That, that oh, music God. directing and that ba- having a background in music, how do you think that that has influenced or, or helped with your voiceover career? Um, I
1: think someone told me that when it came to um, dubbing in particular, it helped me with timing uh cuz i picked it up very very quickly mm-hmm. um, cuz when i when i did that contest uh we had to dub a scene um we had to dub a scene from Soul Eater uh, the anime Soul Eater and i came in on the beats on the beeps like just like that and i later heard from some friends in the audience they were like "don we thought it was they were playing the j when you came in" cuz i just i just went for it um so i i think it definitely helped with rhythm um That makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah, the the timing and the tempo and the pacing of the reeds, too, I would imagine, not just ins and outs.
1: Absolutely. Like, um, Yeah, I'd say that's like the big thing. It it was rhythm, which it's funny because trying to transition from that to prelay is very different because it's like, okay, dubbing, you want to get the rhythm, but also like um, the attention, the emotion, you want to fit all that into these flaps and this rhythm. And then when you go from that to like interactive and and um, animation, it's like okay, now we need to pull back from that less rhythm. Like I, I've I've gotten that direction before, where they're like you're getting a little bit too rhythmic now. And so it's, it's
0: like then you get into go- more jazzy, improvisational <laughs> dancing around the theme, playing around the theme.
1: Exactly. So it's I'm like, music. oh great,
0: yeah. I went to jazz school. It's fine. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so now let's get into some some technical stuff here. Uh, do you have a, a home recording studio? What's what's your booth setup like?
1: Yeah. So, um, I have uh in my closet in my bedroom. I got a vocal booth to go. Um, I don't know if you've seen those. It's like it's like this giant metal frame. They get gi- they give you a giant metal frame, and then they give you acoustic blankets to place over this frame. It's essentially a fortified blanket fort. Um, yeah.
0: but yeah, I. Look, I made one out of PVC pipe and sound Mm -hmm. blankets, and it's basically the same, but I like doing little round-the-house handyman projects. So, yeah, if you don't don't like cutting PVC pipe and measuring things out and figuring out what fittings to get, then they can give you the kit, essentially, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. It it was perfect, and it came – it was great and like, you know, such a bind when 2020 everyone was scrambling. They're like, oh, gosh, we got to upgrade our equipment now, ah. Um, but yeah, I got that. Um, and it's it's worked great for so many projects. Like I've done stuff for like Blizzard and the Pokemon Company and like
0: other things in that setup, and they're like, Oh, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um and then I got And a, that's a what university- that is why I'm doing this now because I live in Florida and I didn't think I'd ever be able to do voice acting again <laughs> because I moved here when I started touring with my live show, which that's over now since the pandemic. And now I get to stay home with my kids and record in my own home recording studio while, like, they're at school right now. This is what's making it possible that they're not going back to in-studio even after the pandemic because everybody has gotten their booth set up and their equipment already. All of the studios are accustomed to working this way and they have a bigger talent pool anyway, so why would they go back?
1: That's true, though, and it's it's been really nice because, like, it gives people the option like, oh, like, because I've been going into studio more just because, you know, I, I got to enjoy L.A. for three months. I want right. to see more. <laughs> yeah. um, but then, you know, if, if there's any, like, if there are clients from overseas that want me to record late in the evening, I can be like, hey, because it's so late in the evening, can I just do this from home? And they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Why not? So it's really nice having the and option. And all your additions
0: you don't have exactly you, you mean you don't realize this because you're of a different generation but back in the day when when I was voicing out in LA I'd literally spend half my day just driving to auditions driving to voice casters or Larchmont or Cowmanson and Cowmanson, or my agent down on Wilshire or over to Sony this is maybe only a few miles but it's LA miles and it takes an hour and then you got to find parking and then you got to find your way through the building <laughs> past security and it's hours and hours of wasted time every day and now you can just do it from home
1: when i started at um crunchyroll like it was that way too where you would have to go in for these auditions um but then as soon as 2020 hit they were like oh we need to send them out now Mm -hmm. um and like there were some places in in dallas that did send them out already like like gearbox was already sending auditions out by email and okretron but Animation, Crunchyroll specifically, you had to go in and they would give you the binder and you would audition within like 15 minutes. But yeah, I, I had heard that it was that same way here too in LA where you would have to just drive to the studio and I, I am grateful that we get to do them from home.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what DAW do you use?
1: Uh, the DAW that I use, uh, I, I do all my backups in Audacity which people are like, why are you using Audacity still? I'm like, I know how to use it. It's fine.
0: Use the um, one that you know how to use. Until recently, exactly. I used GarageBand for everything. But the problem with GarageBand and Audacity is that there's a bunch of music-related stuff in there that you have to overlook or get out of the way, whereas a DAW or a DAW that is specific for voice acting is a very clean interface, and you can just use it without all of those extra steps
1: exactly no it, that, that is true like i have a lot of friends who really like using adobe audition and then like friends who are voice actors and also engineers you just straight up go on pro tools
0: But like, yeah that's too complicated you. for me <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I don't have to learn pro tools so i'm not gonna learn pro tools
1: there was a time where i thought i was going to have
0: to and i was like no no i don't I don't want to. Yeah, touch. Because also, this is acting. It's not you're not an audio engineer. To some extent you have to understand the basics of their craft, but just the basics, the the preponderance of your energy should be toward the role and portraying the character and doing the read as well as possible, not dealing with technology. The technology should be as invisible as possible, I think.
1: Absolutely. I had a session once where they wanted me to engineer at the same time. And like, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never used the program before. It's Um, a whole different
0: skill set. That's why there are engineers that make this their career and go to school for that.
1: Exactly. Like, you know, the people that I helped when I was in school. But like we get eight cues through and we call it and I just finally tell them like, hey, I can't do this. Please, can I come in? I will like mask up like crazy and, and follow all your protocols. Can I just go in? And they're like, sure. I mean, I get it.
0: Everybody cool. during the pandemic was doing what they felt they had to do to get by, but it's good to know that that was a one-off and not the norm. I have yes, it absolutely. Actually, the only people that I've interviewed that have said that they do that regularly are some of the people that do audiobooks, audiobook narration, depending mm-hmm. on the client and the company that they're working for. And then they also, off the air, cautioned me not to ever put myself in that position because it's so much work. Are oh, you doing three yeah. hours of work for every billable hour because you, you have to sit there and engineer the whole take that might be hours long?
1: Yes. Yeah, like, like my friends who do audiobooks, I'm like, more power to you. That,
0: that seems like, it seems rough to me. It's a lot of work. But then again, compared to a lot of other jobs, it's not. That's, that's also true. <laughs> yes. Of course. Now, where do you get most of your auditions? I mean, you're with an A-level agent, so I imagine most of them come through there, but are you actively seeking them out elsewhere as well?
1: So um, before I signed on with Atlas, I was getting a lot of my auditions from people directly, and and some of them I still do. Um, but then even if I do get them directly, I'll be like, hey, can we loop in Atlas? Just
0: because, you know, I love them. They're my agency. Oh, yeah, great. But- when, when it's time to do the contract you loop it <laughs> yeah exactly but you have a network that you've developed over years that are bringing opportunities to you i would imagine
1: mm, absolutely and even like you know i've i've created a relationship with some of these directors and they'll, they'll just message me be like hey we want we we're trying to look for uh, a person for this thing can you come try out for us and yeah, yeah but I'll yeah a majority of them are atlas
0: I think both are important. Yeah, and I'm glad to hear you say that too, because this is why people skills are important in this business. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of just being able to hide behind a mic. You also have to interact with people, even if you're not physically seeing them face to face. There's a human element to it. There's a, uh, a need to be social, mm-hmm. even though you're not on camera.
1: Oh, absolutely! And like, like my friends say that I am extroverted. Um, it's weird. Like, if I don't know people very well, I, I get very shy. Um, (laughs) yeah, like, I don't know. I think people can sense your energy. Like, even, even if you're not very talkative, I think people can, can get your vibe very quick. And it's like, you know, as long as you're a kind person and you're trying your best and you're professional, like, and I don't know, it, it. I feel like it's it's more simple than people make it out to be. Like I I, I would hear people be like, "No, I got to go to this event so I can network with so and so and da da." And it's like,
0: I mean, you can if, if you want to, but I don't know. If it it's, comes it's, off that way, it can have the opposite effect though, because people will sense that you're trying to work an angle instead of enjoy an event or an experience right. or appreciate the relationship on its own terms. And no nobody likes being kind of worked on that way oh,
1: exactly it's like like people can tell are you being a genuine person or are you right. being a used car salesman yeah. so yeah relax like
0: is it, and this is good advice and what what other advice would you have for people wanting to get into the voiceover business now
1: i am envious of the fact that like there are so many good resources out there um because I would have loved to have these when when I was a kid because I, I loved voice over even, you know, like when I was in like elementary school. Um, but yeah, sign up for classes, sign up with a coach too. like my coach for I was with him for a couple of years. Uh, Richard Horvitz. Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> I know Richard. <laughs> he was he was my coach. He, he was so good. And and I worked with him for a couple of years. And not only was he helping me like acting wise, he was helping me like career wise being yeah. like. He had me made a bulleted list of, like, all these steps that I needed to take, like, so, so specific down to, like, something simple as you need to email somebody on this day. Um, So I'd say work with a – find a coach. Get
0: organized is another part of that, that too. Yeah, Get organized. That's also important. Sure. Results have to be measurable. You can't just Mm -hmm. have some general idea of, you know, next year my goal is to get cast in. X number of projects or make X number of dollars. It's okay. What are the steps that you're going to take? And what are the deadlines that you're going to give yourself? And how can you break mm-hmm. those steps down into subsets that you can actually take action on?
1: Absolutely. Uh, the other thing I was gonna say is find find a voiceover workout group to work to, you know, work at scripts with, just like for fun. Um, because uh during pandemic, um, my friend Xander Mobis. Uh, he and our other friend, uh, Devin Mack, they started a voiceover workout group on Discord and because no one could see each other. So we were all stuck inside, but they were like, hey, just so we can get through this craziness, let's all meet online once a week and work scripts. And I legitimately think that like, the feedback that I got from that group and just working on these things, not only did it help my morale, but it helped me legitimately improve by just yeah, I working think that's off great. with my Because Of course, it people. helps if
0: the other people in the group have an ear, are talented, <laughs> and genuinely want you to improve and are not going to be just like making digs at you. Like, in other words, I love the idea of do it, having a workout group, but you pick your friends carefully because you want them to be supportive. And, and also on the flip side of that, not just yes people that just say, oh, it's great. It's just so great. There's no, there's no value oh. in that. Oh, for sure. Like, um,
1: like one of my very good friends now, uh, Ed Bosco. That's how I got to know him was through like that. The chocolate fruit. sauce? <laughs> Ed Bo- Ed Bosco? Is that a chocolate sauce?
0: Yeah. It's like Ovaltine. I know that from Seinfeld. It was, it was George Costanza's secret password that he wouldn't let anybody know. It was Bosco, Bosco after the Bosco. chocolate sauce. Yeah. Now what? you can tell that to your friend. I'm totally going to tell him, but that, that's how I got
1: to know him because he he would hear me and then he'd be like, because um, we were trying to work on me um, playing more realistic and grounded because I was having trouble doing that. And so Bosco would be like, hang on, I got scripts for you. You're going to practice these. And I remember they like drilled me to the point where I was like, oh, God, I don't know if I don't know if I'm nailing this. And then they later told me they're like, we gave you a really hard script
0: mm. and you're doing great but this is what you got to work on. And I was like, cool. You know how you get better at playing realistic grounded characters? (laughs) By being a real person? Yeah. Just (laughs) be, just, just be painfully honest and open and, Mm. and genuine and vulnerable and authentic in every interaction in life and see where it takes you. But where it will take you as an actor is a, a better place.
1: Absolutely. And like, I've also found, um, I, I got this advice from somebody, is if you want to gain, like, you know, be realistic, grounded, all that stuff, um, this just helps your acting in general. Go out and do non-acting things.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why actors <laughs> tend to get better with age because they've had more real-world experiences. Uh, exactly. when, when you When you're, like, just getting out of school, the experience that you have is your friends and your family and your teachers. And it's just, it's, it's very narrow. And what you've seen externally, like your interpretation of somebody else's characterization in a show or a movie or something. Mm-hmm. Until you've really lived a life yourself, though, you, you don't have that experience from which to draw. Now, that is, I, I re- realize that's a, a certain school of acting. There's another school of acting that says you don't need any of that, you know, just find it in the script, find it on the page Mm -hmm. to each his own. But that's that's what I find works. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Like, I. I like being able to take a step back and then I love finding in scripts later, like, oh, I can relate to this thing because I've experienced it myself
0: by just, you know, doing whatever um, like it doesn't ha- and 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 it doesn't have to be a one-to-one experience. No you can just draw from something that elicits a similar emotion. mm
1: mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I'll I'll say this, like, you know, work on your craft, um, take breaks. Definitely take breaks. Um and yeah, I don't oh, oh, listen to all sorts of different medias, like not just the one that you like. Like listen to all sorts of different things. Like, um, I still need to do this, but there are so many movies that I still need to see. Um, like very like classic movies that I still haven't seen yet. Like, for I haven't seen The Shining. What? I still need to see that. I know that I promise you, if you asked me any classic movies, I can guarantee you I have not
0: seen them because I still need to. Well, it's impossible to see everything, but there are certain sure. cultural touchstones. That mm-hmm. probably is one yeah, mm-hmm, that I, would, mm-hmm. I would think if they're they're referred to in other kinds of scripts and in popular culture, yeah it's, it's good to know and And I like your idea of seeing things that are outside your your wheelhouse or outside of your personal preferences, so different types of genres and acting styles and exposing yourself mm-hmm. to different forms. Yeah, that can mm-hmm. only help.
1: Yes, because it'll it'll make you well-rounded. And especially like um, sometimes you'll get auditions that are asking for like specific references to something that you might not be familiar with, but Mm -hmm. they'll pop up more and more Um, like get acquainted with like the stuff that's kind of out there and then get acquainted with the stuff that's popular right now. And I, I just like I said, I just feel like that'll help round out your acting and
0: experiences a lot more. That's great. So, what is next for Don M. Bennett?
1: Uh, I am going to Albuquerque Comic Con um, in January. I think it's uh, January 13th through 15th. Uh y'all can look on the website. i put and, your and link. Your it.
0: link will be in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. All
0: right. Cool. And where's the best place for people to find you online?
1: You can you can find me most places at Don M. Bennett, V A. Um, like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Cool. Anything you
0: wish I would have asked you?
1: Uh uh what is my favorite thing to bake? Uh, What's your favorite thing to bake? My favorite thing to bake is lavender loaves.
0: What and why?
1: It is lavender bread and it's very floral and pleasant and there I put like a lavender Actual sugar glaze. Yes, yes, lavender buds. Culinary. You can eat them. It's very nice. You say so. Okay.
0: All right. (laughs) I look forward to trying that. If we ever meet in person, we'll have to. uh, I will make you one. Okay. It's a deal. All right. Great talk. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks for listening. I've got a question for you. Have you ever thought about getting into voice acting yourself? If so, check out my free intro to voice acting class at voiceoverchampions.com and become a voiceover champion.